0: Hey everybody, it's Ben Reiser, Director of Operations and also Head of the Wisconsin Zone Programming Committee this year. And I am here uh, with uh, Gracie K. Walner and Espera Eckerd-Lee, uh, two brilliant young artists uh, who uh, collaborated uh, to give us Blood Runs Out, which if you're listening to this podcast, you probably just watched, or hopefully watched, Um so there's going to be spoilers, if that's even really a thing with this movie. I guess it kind of is. Uh, so uh, if you if you don't want to get this fantastic little short spoiled, turn it, turn it off and come back later. Um, so thanks to both of you for coming here. Uh, we're talking today on May 1st, which is opening day of ticket sales, and sales are through the roof for Blood Runs Out and the rest of the shorts program. Uh, we're showing your film as part of... Um, Um, a shorts program called birth and rebirth um and when i was first coming up with the name for the shorts program this is a very stupid way to start this conversation but um it was late at night i was in a rush and i was like okay i think actually pauline had maybe come up with birth rebirth and or birth she had something to do with birth and rebirth and I wrote birth, rebirth, and afterbirth because I was like, I like to go in threes. And then, then the next day, I looked. at it, I was like, What am I doing? I don't want to say that, but kind of. There are a few films where it's like there's a there's a film in this in this um, in this uh, program that's about uh, Lori Felker, filmmaker, sort of an essay documentary about the time that she had a miscarriage while attending the slam dance. Film festival, so it's not like it was between this and Laurie's film. It wouldn't. It's not like the the worst. Type. It just it just seemed obnoxious to me. I was like, never mind, never mind. The Afterbirth. Maybe we should have called it Never Mind Maybe. the Afterbirth. That would have been the best name for the for the thing. Um, uh, brother. Uh, so um, hi. I haven't let either one of you say a word, but I wanna I wanna jump in. Um, the first thing we see on screen is an awesome opening title animation uh that 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 tells us this is a lumina flick um is this the first ever lumina flick tell me about lumina flicks
1: um yeah so lumina flicks uh or lumina productions is my production company which currently is just me um it's based off of my family's car, which was my grandmother's car. It was a 1991 Chevy Lumina, and it's maroon, and the entire inside is maroon. And my sister and I are very connected to her, so um, yeah, I went with that as the title. And I think it's also, it reminds me of illumination, that kind of idea. So that's the car that you see in the animation driving along, and I'm a big fan of. Um, sort of mysterious, surreal uh, animation logos. So I wanted to try to animate my own.
0: And so you did that yourself?
1: I did, yeah. I used a really cool program called Krita, which is like a free illustrating software and you can animate with it. Um, And it was really fun, it was just like an experiment and yeah, hopefully in the future I'll do more.
0: Is it, is it like almost like a rotoscope thing? Like, is it, did you start with actual footage of that car? And uh, no,
1: no, it's just like all just random sort of freehand stuff. It was actually pretty hard to animate the car. Like it's very, it's very jittery and jolts along, but it was fun to do.
0: Yeah. It's pretty cool. Um, and then as luck would have it, sort of the music kicks in right away and, um, uh, i really i love the music in this film and i think it really adds a lot and um you know based on the sort of the subject matter um it's 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 jauntier than you might think it it would be um and so gracie what did you what did you tell espere about what you wanted
1: wow um well we had a lot of conversations we had a lot of phone calls um at first i think i sent you the storyboards and like kind of some notes, yeah. If I remember correctly, yeah. And then we we mm-hmm. kind of I just sort of told you what my vision was, which I guess I can go into that later. Um, but and well, then we
0: we can talk. I because I realize we probably should say like um, you know how did you come to make this film? What what were the circumstances surrounding yeah this? Okay.
1: Um, I, can I ask a question also? Yeah are we is are you gonna cut this or is it just happening
0: no i'll cut it
1: okay cool that's good to know um okay i mean unless it seems
0: charming when i listen back to it i'll be like oh.
1: (laughs) just me asking perfect Uh, all right great Why are you Um,
0: gonna are you gonna say stuff that you might want me to cut
1: (laughs) yeah i'm just gonna spill all my secrets but um Okay, so the question was, what's the inspiration or the vision behind it before we, we get into you the know, music?
0: It's actually an odd, well, yeah, well, let's put a pause on the music for a second. But, I mean, I really do, I've heard, you know, because Pauline, uh, when we first watched this film together, she was like, oh, I should say I've got something to do with this. or and, But the story she told me, I I don't know that that's actually i'm a little confused about whether or not this had anything to do with being sort of a class project or it's like an independent study or did it actually have anything to do with the uw at all or was it just like yeah
1: yeah well um i so i would consider it my own independent project i made it during um 659 the final production course at uw madison um but because of COVID, we had to halt our plans to make a collaborative group film. So then, what our what Pauline and our instructor told us was that we uh, just were able to make our own independent project, um, and we didn't really use any of the UW's equipment or anything. Which is why I consider it like my work completely, because I just used whatever I had and like you know kind of had to figure it out but I definitely had support in the way of like feedback from Pauline mm-hmm. and Eric and like the rest of the classmates and stuff but then, so yeah but,
0: but then did you then did you sort of submit it or present it in class like did you get did you get credit for it as part of the six fifteen? yes, yes oh, okay
1: I did cool. so it was like it was a class project um okay. but it was kind of like a stand a stand-in for what would have been a collaborative project and I'm really happy because I, I love that I have my own thing that I, I can you know
0: put out there right and this what and this did this have anything to do I don't know what 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 stage in that 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 aborted oh, they were we again a uh, collaborative project uh the class was in was this was this was this the film that you were sort of planning on 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 hoping to do in class if they had picked your think no okay. no
1: so the way that 659 works is um we all have positions and i was actually the gaffer because i wanted to learn a lot more about lighting mm-hmm. um and i did i learned so much about lighting um but we choose a script that's written in another script writing class. And oh, then okay. what happens is everyone in their position, like there's a screenwriter and they sort of change it and then we all collaborate on making that. So yeah, my Blood Runs Out was like my idea that I had after that. So yeah, it wasn't going to be made by anyone else.
0: Right. And it wasn't something that you had thought about or written uh, before the class like it was something that once COVID hit and you realized uh, the class was going in a whole different direction you then came up with this scenario
1: yeah actually which is really cool because I think I mean not cool that COVID is happening but COVID really I think uh, had a lot to do with the, the plot of my film and it ended up affecting it in ways that I didn't even realize until afterwards and I was like oh this has a lot to do with COVID and how
0: it affects community. And that kind of thing. Yeah. And then, but this, so then Esperay, were you in that class too?
2: I was not. No. Um, Gracie and I, well, first of all, thanks for having me here. Sure. I'm so happy to do this. Me too. Um, uh, but Gracie and I go back so several years. Um, just we started out doing like circus and, and other stuff together. So I've known her for a while. Um, and she asked me, just completely out of the blue. If I was interested in doing any, um, any music for this. And, uh, we sort of just jumped right into it. I think, um, like she said, she sent me just basic ideas and sketches, um, at the beginning and I just started messing around. Um, and it's all relatively new, um, for me. So I had a bunch of ideas about stuff that I wanted to try and then, you know, just kind of went all in and, uh, figured it out as we went, but no, it was, um, I'm so glad she asked me to do this. Thank you, Gracie, for asking me. Oh
1: my God. Um, Thank you for doing it.
2: Yeah. It was, it was a lot of, yeah, a lot of fun, but completely separate from, from the class for me.
0: Right. And then, uh, um, not to harp on this whole 659 thing, but if, if, um, if you, if the original sort of curriculum had been able to be stuck to, I'm guessing that then that you wouldn't have been allowed to even bring in Esperé or anybody outside the class to do anything like the music. Like, would that have fallen to somebody in the class?
1: Well, um, I wouldn't have ever even made this film had it right. not been for it. So sure. yes, but I but mean, whatever I,
0: film, whatever film would have been made as a class. Ah, uh,
1: yes, I, probably Esperé I, I wouldn't have been able to work with for the class. So I, despite like the disappointment of not being able to make the collaborative project in class. This worked out wonderfully.
0: Yeah. Uh, And I think it's,
1: sorry. Yeah. I think it's just cool that like Pauline and um, my instructor, Eric, were able to like give us the opportunity to make our own stuff, even with COVID going on, which I think is important to work within parameters and sometimes helpful.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I I totally get it. I do realize a six fifty nine is like a class where you, where you get to learn what it's be to, what it is to be like on a crew and learn the different things that that people on a film crew do. But um, I mean, I think it sure worked out for the two of you as far as not being able to do that and then doing this instead. Um, so anyway, so so I mean, I, I guess my question about the music is, I think it really helps. It really helps tell the viewer um, that this isn't going to be. I mean, it really helps set the the tone, which is a very interesting tone. Like it tells you, even even though, even with the sort of spooky lumina flick uh, opening thing, and then even the opening title credits, which are sort of gothic and and blood red. Um, you know, the the music serves to sort of undercut that spookiness, and and I think tell the viewer, hey. The, there might be some creepy stuff in this movie, but it's not, we're not, we're not doing a straight up horror movie here or anything mm. like that. And, and I'm, and I'm assuming that that, that that was the idea behind what, whatever you told Espari from the get go.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm trying to think of exactly what I said at first. spray if you can remember, you should
2: <laughs> I Well, in. one thing that um, was a, a plus a starting place for me. Um, and I'm, again, I'm, this is all very, very new for me, but something that was a good place to jump off is I remember Gracie, um, at the end of the film, you, uh, for the scene, the last scene that you, that happens in the film. Um, I remember us talking about you wanting that to be sort of almost dramatic, um, like tension relieving sort of music. Um, and like very like much like a love scene type of type of sound so i kind of started there and and um, built up a a song and an idea on a melody and sort of played around with that um, as a starting place and then sort of worked backwards a little bit to get to fit in the other elements and having that as a starting place for me the direction that i just kind of naturally went to begin with was having a simple straightforward melody on you know on, on piano very normal and natural sounding and and um real not not anything um you know spooky or or any synths or anything like that um so that to me was kind of the starting place and everything else was kind of fell in and ended up being very much um still had a lot of those tones of not you know it's not dissonant, very dissonant, I think, um, for, a, a a film like this.
1: Yeah. And we, I also sort of, this idea kind of started from, well, originally I was considering making it more of a comedy. Um, and it does have comedic elements, I think, hopefully that comes across in the film, but, um, because it's funny, like I've showed it to many people and some people are, I think, Oh, this is a horror movie. Some people think, Oh, this is hilarious. Some people get exactly what I was going for, you know, like, um, so, but what was I saying? Um,
0: well, I yeah, think, it you know, off more... Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead.
1: No, no, you go ahead.
0: Well, we recently showed this film at Cinematech, which I think is a comedy. It's called Shiva, baby. Um, And it's about this young woman who's like at this uh, kind of like it's like a Jewish wake, and um, she's discovers that this guy that she's been sleeping with and his wife are there, and it's this very awkward. And it's a you know it's a comedy, but it's like a a comedy of like awkward, cringe. It's like cringe comedy, but it's Mm. scored. The score sounds like a horror movie. It's very. It sounds like Psycho. It's like strings and sort of slashing. And I think it's actually kind of great because it cuts against the comedy. And I think in the opposite way, Esperé's score sort of cuts against the sort of ghoulish uh, or, you know, blood-oriented vampirism of the story and and just gives you a balance, I think, more than anything else. Which is great, because I think it makes it much more nuanced and layered. Film.
1: yeah well that's great to hear um that's what we were going for the balance <laughs> um and I mean also just the fact that like I know that these images are somewhat shocking I've heard that especially from people who don't menstruate but right at the same time like part of this film is about longing um and also a queer longing um and so sort of tried to make the blood look appealing and i think that the soundscape uh helps get that across um i tried to make it sort of fun even though like it is very dramatic she's starving at the end of it Mm -hmm. but um yeah But
0: well another thing that i think is interesting about the film is that even though it's not explicitly or i think even implicitly about the pandemic or about COVID or about being isolated, um, it still feels like it is, um, uh, you know, and some of that is probably because you did shoot it during COVID and did have restrictions on, you know, how many people you could work with or who you could have in the film. But I wonder, do you think this film would have been any different or significantly different? Had you been able to make it during "quote unquote" normal times?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I'm gonna answer this question in kind of a roundabout way. I can just sure. see it happening in my head right now. Um, <laughs> but
0: <laughs> that's okay. The question so, was pretty roundabout too. So
1: yeah, I mean, what this what blood runs out" is really about is community and community support. Mm-hmm. Queer community support, particularly, and not even just queer community, but just support from your loved ones. Um, and it's really the blood is what this character survives on. But you know, she, she can't. She doesn't get it by killing people. She's not a. She's not a usual vampire, you know. And I think if vampires, if vampires existed right now, they would certainly be. Surviving off menstrual blood rather than murdering people, you know, like there's so much of it out there. It's so easily accessible from your community. Just ask your friends, like, can I have some of your blood? You know, if you have those community connections, it's a, it's a good life for a, for a queer vampire. Um, but yeah, anyway, it's kind so, of like
0: you've solved the whole problem of vampires.
1: <laughs> of vampires. Uh, yeah. And I, um,
0: I don't know <laughs> I don't know if you'd ever read or seen anything where this is the solution for van- I mean, that, that what was that show on HBO for you? True Blood?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Where they, where I, they make like a synthetic blood for vampires.
1: Oh, yes. Um, yeah, and- well, that's the thing is I had this idea originally, like, I had an image come into my mind of a drop of blood falling on someone's face, which is the last... Well, I don't want to give, maybe I shouldn't give this away. That's
0: no, okay. We're spoiling because we're saying, okay. don't listen if like right. you haven't watched the film. So
1: I'll say that part again then. Um, The the way that I thought of this idea for the film was as an image. And the image was of a drop of blood falling on someone's face. Um, and, oh God, I completely lost my train of thought.
0: That, oh, we were talking <laughs> about true blood. and. Oh, um,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And solving Um, the
0: whole problem of being a vampire and maybe mm -hmm. for the first time ever in film work.
1: Okay. Yeah. 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 So, um, I thought of this image of, a drop of blood falling on someone's face. And from there I kind of thought of the whole idea and I thought, oh my God, what if there was this, this character who survives off of blood? She's kind of a subtle vampire. That's what I like to think of her as. Um and what if she you like asked her friends for blood and i at first i was like this idea is like too, doesn't work it's way too far but then i kept thinking about it and i looked it up online like vampires surviving on menstrual blood and there's shockingly little so i was like wow this is maybe sort of a a, a new idea i don't know if that is really the case but i think a lot of it has to do with Our our society doesn't talk about menstrual blood. We don't even look at it. We don't know about it, especially if you're someone who doesn't menstruate, you probably don't have a very clear understanding about how it works, what's even happening, you know, um, biologically, what's happening emotionally, what goes on, like what products people even use. um, Because, and it's no one's fault. It's the fault of the patriarchy and the fact that we we're not talking about this and it's something that so many people regardless of gender just menstruate all the time um, so I think maybe that's why a lot of vampire stories don't focus on uh, vampires surviving on menstrual blood but I think
2: and that's really something that I love about what you did with this is you just it feels to me like you just dive all the way in like head first just right into you know Had into
1: burst dying. into the right. menstrual blood
2: yeah. <laughs> um which is is fun it's really yeah it's it's really fun
0: yeah and i i would say that you do this other cool thing which i feel like most modern day um vampire stories tend to use uh vampirism as a metaphor for addiction and i i, I don't I don't get the vibe at all in your film that you're trying to deal with that as th- that kind of metaphor. There's certainly hunger and survival, and it really feels like uh, your character is is starving and is really is running out of food. Um, and you know, but the, the whole sort of the whole sort of drug addiction metaphor, I don't feel that at all in your film. And so I think it's really cool that you took uh, the whole vampire thing and 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 avoided what what i think most people focus on these days
1: yeah well that makes me think of a lot so thanks for saying that um first of all i have showed the film to people and they have read it about being about addiction i didn't say that very well but yes i've shown the, the film to people and they've taken it as a metaphor for addiction um but it's it that's not how i meant it but people can take it However, sure. they want you know it's out there. But um, second of all, uh, I can I can talk about. Can I share an anecdote about like how part of the inspiration? Yeah. Please okay. Do. Um, so, well, first I guess I'll say a lot of vampire stories are often about predatory men feasting on women you know it's often like a virginal like damsel in distress laying on a bed and then in the middle of the night this male figure comes in and sort of like you know in a very vulnerable and in a like a very sexual way assaults them so part of my film is flipping the vampiric tropes into a story that's consensual and queer Mm -hmm. so this is is not your typical vampire story in that way I suppose because this is all incredibly consensual this is based on this character is going to her community and asking them to give her what she needs which I think is how people are going to survive in, in this world is by making community connections and um yeah it's not and she's she's also sort of in a position where she's being fed the blood mm-hmm. rather than taking it forcefully
0: yeah so, mm-hmm. no that that last scene uh, she, the the vampires is, is the one who's sort of like um in the in the um not really submissive but sh- sh- she's the one who is um you know, uh, the the it's it, the whole the whole image of you're right of like the typical sort of Dracula coming upon the sleeping uh, heroine of the movie and 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 um, attacking her in her bed and biting her neck. It's like that that whole thing is flipped in every way possible in that last scene of the
1: film. So that's great. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and it's still like sort of a metaphor for sexuality, you know, because clearly she's surviving off of a substance that, you know, can be sexual or, like, show up in sexual scenarios. I think it's also touching on uh, having sex while menstruating, which people hate to talk about. Um, You know, it's like, people who menstruate aren't even sure, oh, is this even possible while I'm on my period? Like, can I experience this kind of pleasure when I'm on my period? Because it's such a uh, taboo thing. So it's also kind of about that, but, um, can I, I'm going to go into this, this other story here. Oh, yeah. Do we have time? Okay. Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, so, uh, you reminded me of it when you talked about the starving aspect of it. Um, and I'm really excited to talk about this because it just, I had such a great experience. What I So I went to the Cinematech actually, And it was a showing of old films made by women directors, uh, you know, around, like, the 1890s to 1930s, you know, before the codes all kicked in. This was that Um,
0: evening hosted by Manola Dargis? Yes, yes, yes,
1: yes. Um, Yeah, so it was fantastic. And um, my film, Blood Runs Out, is sort of an homage slash... Completion of one of those films that I saw that night. Um, first of all, that that night of films was just incredibly important to me because I saw these women filmmakers work, and I hadn't from so long ago, and I hadn't I haven't seen much of it before. Um, but the film that that blood runs out is kind of inspired by is Bread by Ida Mae Park, mm-hmm. um, and so in Bread this character she she has some job working I'm not sure exactly what her job is but she goes into her boss's office and he starts to like sexually harass and you know assault her and she says no I'm not I'm leaving and so he fires her and then she leaves she starts to starve because she doesn't have a job Um, And so the whole film is kind of her starving and trying to find sustenance. So finally, she walks into this bakery, and there's a woman behind the counter, and they sort of have an exchange. She's like, I only have these coins, and the baker woman says, oh, okay, well, I'm going to give you this loaf that fell over in the oven, and so it's doubled in size, but I'll give it to you for the price of one. So the main character is like, oh, oh my god, that's huge sense of relief. And the audience who's just been watching her starve also feels that relief of, she has double the size of a loaf of bread right now. And it's because this woman, this stranger, just saw that she was suffering and she gave her this bread. So um, then the main character leaves the bakery and she bumps into this man carrying a bunch of groceries and drops the bread. And the man, seeing the state that she's in, which is kind of dilapidated, you know, she's been starving for a while. She's rather poor. He calls the police on her because he thinks that she's trying to steal his groceries. Um, Meanwhile, she's distracted by, where did my bread go? And it's fallen on one of those old cars, like from the 20s with like, you know, by the door they have that little shelf by the wheels yes yes so the bread has fallen onto there and the car starts driving off and she looks over and she sees the bread going off and meanwhile the cops are running over and this man is yelling at her and then one of those ornate old silent movie placards comes up with the the words and everything and it says let me see if i can remember um It says, she would not give it up. The bread symbolized more than sustenance to her. Uh, it it, It symbolized all of the good things in life, something like that along those lines. So she makes the decision. I think the last frame is her looking and starting to run after the bread. And then the film cuts out because Ida May Park lost all of her funding because women directors lost all of their funding as Hollywood became corporate mm. and a capitalist venture. So <laughs> that moment was just like, oh my God, like my jaw dropped. It was just a black screen. She was about to get this bread that she'd been, you know, starving for. And so blood runs out. Um, there's a moment where my character is starving and she's like crawling across the floor. Um, yeah. And then it cuts to black and that's like a very technical decision because based inspired by Ida Mae Park's film bread that cuts to black. Um, but my film like continues on and we see that the character is supported by her community and, and she, she gets a happy ending.
0: Well, that makes me wonder two things. First of all, I don't know this. I can't remember the story behind bread. Is it really that she ran out of funding in that, the the climax or the denouement of that film was never shot, or did it just get lost to time? Because that happened a lot too. Um, There's tons of like lost films or lost portions of films. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I like your story better. That it was yeah, I mean, it was the, <laughs> that's true. That the goddamn patriarchy screwing well, again. But from
1: what I remember, I that's that's what I heard at the talk. Were you there? I'm sure you.
0: I wasn't. I actually oh, okay. I got to interview Manola earlier in the oh, day for yeah. our Cinema Talk podcast. Yeah. I didn't I didn't. Make it that night I don't know what happened I think my
1: yeah that's so. I remember her saying that and I do know that a lot mm. of those women directors who owned their own production companies mm. they were all defunded because there I can't remember his name but there was a big shot producer who in like the teens like the 19 teens said mm-hmm. I would fund anything that this director made this this one woman director a couple years later he says, "I would never fund anything made by a woman." So it's like once Hollywood became a capitalist venture, it wasn't a place where women or queer people could be creative anymore. So, yeah, I'm not sure exactly with that film. Maybe that one was lost to time, but I think generally it's just like a yeah. A, yeah. But
0: okay, but that really, but it really made me ask this next question, which I was gonna ask anyway, but now I really want to. Did you consider or were you at some point planning on this being a silent film with music? I say that, first of all, because Esperay's score does remind me. In, well, I said it was jaunty, but really it's got that sort of old timey Scott Joplin almost kind of feel to it because it's piano and 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 and. and uh, thinking about it while you were telling the story, I think, I mean, the only, the only voices we hear are when you're having the phone conversations, uh, or listening to people's voicemail and things like that. And I think it probably could have worked with I mean, with that scene, but without actually hearing it, just seeing the, you crossing out the names on the list. Did you think of like furthering this homage to silent film by making it a silent film?
1: Um interesting i i feel like the, the silent film bread was influencing me a little more subconsciously than i mm. knew at the mm-hmm. time like i definitely thought about the cut but i didn't think about like making it completely sub- well actually i did have a whole thought process where i was like should i not record audio like it sounds kind of terrible i don't have good recording equipment it could work this other way but I don't know. I just wanted to have that moment of the phone conversation,
0: but are you actually? Yeah, are we actually hearing an actual phone conversation? Uh, it kind of feels like it. It actually is, but I wasn't sure. I mean, you could easily have, you know, recorded the other voice and then done something in post to make yeah. it sound like
1: it was a phone. We, I did something in post. It was like oh. we recorded. Yeah, we recorded it. No, you did it a
0: good job. I think it. It. It, it totally. Thanks. Like I couldn't tell. I really was. I was like, oh. Does she really record this conversation? Cause it, it, it
2: works.
1: Well, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it is, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I, well, I was just kind of going to pass it off to you anyway, by just saying, um, that was totally an inspiration that we were thinking of the, the silent film music feel. And also Esperé has like a lot of background in sort of silent films and movies and oh. uh, just like that kind of music in general.
0: Well, tell me about that, Esperay.
2: Well, um, it, I, I think it is really interesting, Gracie, um, that, that is pretty much the only, there's only pretty much one scene with any talking, any sound in it. And I do remember early on, uh, you mentioning that, that I think there was a time where you were wondering how you were going to do that, or, or, or maybe just if you're going to do that at all. Um, I don't remember the details. This was a while ago, but I, um, I think that was something that inspired me to uh, it's almost like a music video type of music. Like I, there's there, I think there's only one scene where there isn't any music and it's very, very prominent. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that, I think also does come from um, the fact that, like Gracie mentioned, I am a very uh, big silent film fan um, and have um, uh, a great, I, I, d- just uh, a great love, I guess, for that era um, and the music and the way that the image and the music go together. I um, have a lot of friends who work on the music side of silent films. Um, And so I think that was something that inspired me um, with this music uh, was the images you have are so crisp um, and particular. Um and of a particular you know particular quality um, that the music to me that just being you know having' um, seen so many silent films and how that kind of works, that was sort of my instinct to focus on how that works in a very um image and music come together, but almost starting from a separate point. Um, and uh, it's also interesting because one of the the final bit of music in the um, in the piece was really inspired to me by um, a song from the soundtrack uh, for the film The Artist that came out, I think is 2011 um, mm-hmm. with music by I think it's Ludovic uh, Bors is his name um, but there's one piece in there that particularly um, I'm I'm very fond of and I thought was sort of the vibe we were going for near the end. And, and I stole a lot of pieces from that. And as that sort of a starting point, um, a, a lot of the pieces I think were sort of silent film inspired on a bunch of different levels. Um, so like, like you were saying, Gracie, uh, you know, inspired by this film bread, which I didn't learn about till afterwards after we did the film. Um, and then on my side, it was, it was you know, that's just sort of I think my go-to spot. And as this is sort of new for me, um, that's just where I, I think I just naturally went uh, with that. So it is interesting. I'm, I'm, I think it's neat that you noticed that, Ben, that you picked oh, yeah. up on that because it's you know obviously I'm, I'm sure you see a million films and uh, it's pretty easy to to pick that out. But yeah, it was definitely very um, inspired by silent film and the way that silent images on their own. Um, the way the music works with that, when they're starting from a different point and then coming together uh, with not much else in the way of uh, sounds. So
1: yeah, yeah, that's kind of
2: my my approach to it.
1: Cool. And also this reminds me, I just want to say, Esperé like sort of wrote the score in a way that an organist, is this right? In a way that an organist might like watch a film and then play, while watching the film, because you watched my short and like played along with it to write it.
2: Yeah, and- I it, yeah. the The process was. Um, I'm sure everyone has a different process. That I'm really fascinated by what, you know, what different people, how different people work. Um, but what sort of worked for me was just coming up with a huge, a bunch of different ideas and just messing around. And then when I actually got some footage, that's when it started to sort of fit together. This, you know, this part sort of works better than that part um you know for this scene or whatever it was um and then when I got you know a rough cut is when it, it was it was so much fun to be able to match things very precisely mm-hmm. um to match you know down to the millisecond or whatever with um you know with the recording with with the image and I, I did sort of approach it from just sort of watching the whole thing and like messing around, you know, and and uh, just improvising and seeing what came out of that and then cutting that up and, and going from there. So it is, yeah, it is very much, uh, I think it's in a way quite similar to the way an organist or, um, you know, p- pianist or something would approach playing to a silent film, just improvising particularly to a silent film.
0: Well, this has been great. I had a... I, <laughs> really I went into this interview thinking, I'm going to ask a bunch of like filmmaking questions, and then I realized I realize okay, at some point though, we're probably going to really want to talk about the thematic elements of this film. And what it turned out, we've mostly talked about the theme, which is great. and how, I've hardly gotten to any of the actual filmmaking questions, but I want to just quick ask a, and you know, these are really just more like more film school, like, hey, how'd you do this? Uh-huh. so what but but I did want to ask, You're you're the main character in this film. You're in front of the camera. I I, I don't know. Is that uh, if you forget about everything else? If you're going to make this film again without having to deal with COVID. Would you have put yourself in the... Is acting something that you're interested in? I heard you say, and I meant to follow up earlier in the interview, that you two met doing circus stuff. Did you say circus (laughs) stuff? And so that makes me think maybe you are a performer of some kind. But what kind of circus stuff were you doing?
1: Well, no, it wasn't ideal for me to play the character. I don't consider myself... I mean, I enjoy... I've enjoyed performance in, in the past, but I... I don't. <laughs> I don't really want to act. That's not what I want to do. I, I would have rather worked with someone. At the same time, it was really uh, personal and interesting to play that character. But I separate myself quite a lot from the character, and I actually do want to make this this film again. I think like I want to make it into a feature.
0: Yeah, I was going to uh, say, you have to make it into a feature with this whole <laughs> concept of the solving, the solving the problems of vampires all over the world.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I mean, I mean, we'll see. It'll be a completely different thing as a feature, but... I, could,
0: I think you could even throw kind of like a Handmaid's Tale thing into it where, um, like, the patriarchy and the patriarchal vampires are like, hey, we need some of this menstrual blood action and, like, sort of like, you know, try to force the menstrual blood to be given to them to satisfy their hunger as well.
1: That's interesting. I like don't even think of like <laughs> other vamps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of, for some reason I like thought of her as the only, like the only hmm. one, I don't know. Like I didn't, well, think I was going to as- ask
0: you like how much world building you had done. Like are, where are we? Are we in, are we in a world where vampires exist? Is she even really, you know, um, um, in a mythical sense, a vampire, or is she just like sort of a vampire obsessed, or, you know, like somebody who had, who imagines they're a vampire?
1: Well, she doesn't imagine that she, so this is actually, the world building was kind of difficult for me. I always get bogged down in like, what are, what's happened? What are all of this person's relationships? What's happening in this world? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, So that's why I decided to go a bit more experimental because I just didn't want to deal with that. But if I made it into a feature, I would flesh out her community. Um, But she's not really a vampire. She's just someone who survives on blood. She just needs blood to live, but she's not Mm. a a mythical or vampire from lore. She's just kind of someone who, like, this is how I... Yeah, well we
0: see her outside during the day So there's not Mm -hmm. There isn't that um, allergic to sunlight element
1: Yeah (laughs) So
0: Okay, but back to film school Questions Uh, (laughs) um, What did you use for blood? I made a movie Back in college (laughs) where We uh, were going to have a lot Of blood and we found the one guy On campus who we knew Knew how to mix some great syrup (laughs) And the right food coloring for blood But what was your uh, method? What was the method yeah.
1: to madness? It was really fun. Um, I had a day where I just practiced mixing blood, and it was chocolate syrup, corn... Chocolate syrup and red food coloring were really popular. There, we made some out of paint that I wasn't ingesting, but there might have been some in there. I don't know. Um, and there was also corn syrup involved. mm mm-hmm. uh, I really wanted to get the consistency of menstrual blood, which is actually different than other horror blood, I guess, because, you know, menstrual blood, um, uh, like the urethral mucus is yeah. involved, so it's like a different consistency. It's which very is very viscous in your film. Yes, like yes. Mutant. Google. Yeah, so that's that was like a specific type of blood I was going for. Maybe that's not something you want to include in the podcast. Um... No,
0: that's what this podcast is all about. Okay, but wait, well good, but, but I mean, good. how what was so? What was it that gave gave it that sort of viscosity? Was, yeah. it, was it the corn syrup?
1: It was yeah. It was the it was the chocolate syrup and wow. the the corn syrup kind of mixed together. Hmm. And then there was also. Oh, oh, it was honey. There was also honey oh, yeah. involved. Yeah, that That's sense. what it was. So it was the honey, the chocolate syrup, and the red food coloring. And that was mainly it. And then there were lots of other images of blood in the film that were just kind of like paint and red food coloring and that kind of
0: thing. It sounds like after the shoot, you could have like made some good ice cream sundae that stuff <laughs> like that. It yeah. just sounds like good to <laughs> Keep them in my fridge. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> The other the other the other sort of film school thing I question I had was the um, the, the shot with you in the bathwater. Uh, that bathwater is beautiful and sort of like milky or um, opaque. Uh, what did you do? How did you do that? Is that just a Thanks. normal bath? Is that how your bath normally That's looks? It's just or? my bath. <laughs> I just
1: kind of like give that off. <laughs> That's all my menstrual blood in yeah. there. No, just kidding. Um, yeah, it's it's it was milk. Like a gallon of milk, and you know those little like fizzy bath things that are like a pellet. Yeah. That you get. I like don't know. Like a Tide Pod. <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. Baths, kind of. Bath. Bath like,
0: salts, aren't they called?
2: Bat or a bath um, bomb type. Bath bomb. type. Yeah, yeah, it's a bath
1: bomb, but it's like it comes in a little container for like kids that you can just buy at Target, and it like makes your bath fun colors. So it was like a couple of those red ones, and then some milk. Awesome. Yeah. And thanks for asking about that stuff, because I was very into the color scheme. Everything is shades of pink and red, and I was very... Uh, I really tried to make that happen, like I even painted my walls. <laughs> my walls look terrible for a while, because I was just in this apartment and we're not, we weren't, aren't allowed to paint the walls, don't show this to Greenbush Properties, but um, I painted the walls pink in only the places where the frame was going to be. <laughs> so it was just white everywhere else and I painted over it
0: later that's great well thanks both of you for hanging out here today and revealing some of the secrets behind uh, Blood Runs Out Um, (laughs) it's a great little film thanks so much for giving it to us to share I'm excited for people to, to see it and react to it and I can't wait to see what happens next with both of you
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you.
1: Yeah, this is great. All right.